It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. SEC Media Days has officially concluded, and the SEC Media have released their preseason All-SEC teams, including four Gamecocks. Who did they get right, and who did they get wrong? All that and more today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn, the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I am your host, as always, Andrew Lyon. And I've got a bunch to unpack regarding the SEC media's preseason all-SEC teams coming out of SEC media days from last week, which included four Gamecocks, wide receiver Josh Van, defensive tackle Zach Pickens, tight end Jaheim Bell, and defensive back Cam Smith. Where were they all slotted on these all-SEC teams? Plus, I'm going to talk about a couple of announcements that have been made regarding some future commitment dates on two different four-star targets for South Carolina's 2023 recruiting cycle. Before I get into all that today, I do want to address real quickly, I'm sure that you all have noticed that I have a different background behind me right now. I am in a different spot in the house. I know that the audio has been a little bit choppy and jittery for the last several episodes, And I do want to, first of all, apologize for that. I've moved to a different part of the house at this point in time to try and see if I can get some better connection to the router. And I also do have something in the works in order to try to make the internet connection stronger where I am normally located so that hopefully that will not be as much of an issue in the future. So I do want to say I am trying to address that. So for the next few episodes, you will see me in this spot of the house But with all that being said, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts daily and also on YouTube. All right, so let's go ahead and get into these SEC Media Day preseason poll results. So regarding the order of finish in both the SEC Eastern and Western divisions, the SEC media collectively decided that South Carolina would finish fifth in the SEC East this year, with three people voting for the Gamecocks to win the SEC Eastern Division crown at season's end. Georgia was the overwhelming favorite overall in the SEC East, with Kentucky being a little bit far behind them, and there being a very close race between Kentucky and Tennessee for second place, while in the SEC West, 
Once again, it's the Alabama Crimson Tide that holds the top spot for SEC preseason predictions here. Texas A&M finishing in second and Arkansas in third, so on and so forth. And when it came to predicting who the SEC champion would be at the end of the season, Alabama, again, held most of the tallies with 158 votes going towards them. Georgia had 18 votes to win the SEC crown. South Carolina wound up getting three votes from SEC media members at media days. Vanderbilt also got one. Trying to wonder if maybe Clark Lee snuck in a ballot right there. And Texas A&M got a vote to be the SEC champions as well. So what should be the main takeaway from these media members? Overall, putting South Carolina at fifth in the SEC East, but there being three votes for South Carolina to not only win the SEC Eastern Division, but also to win the SEC Championship. Well, well, although it might just be a couple of people that is predicting that to happen, what this tells me overall is that the media members cannot seem to really figure out this South Carolina football team. you got a really big mixed bag of huge variety of responses you'll get. You'll ask some SEC media members, and they'll think that South Carolina could challenge Georgia for the SEC East and maybe even win it. You've got others who think that South Carolina is going to take a step forward this season, but maybe not to the point where they're contending for the SEC Eastern Division crown. And then you have others who think that South Carolina has maybe been overhyped a little bit this offseason and that they still got a ways to go from a talent standpoint to the point where they are probably going to finish around fifth in the East like they were projected overall by the people who voted for these polls. Now, with South Carolina's individual players, where did each of South Carolina's players finish on the All-SEC team list? Defensive lineman Zach Pickens finished second team All-SEC behind guys like Jalen Carter of Georgia, B.J. Ojolari of LSU, Derek Hall of Auburn, and Byron Young of Tennessee. Defensive back Camp Smith also finished second team All-SEC behind Kelly Ringo of Georgia, Jordan Battle of Alabama, Eli Ricks of Alabama, and Jalen Catalan from Arkansas. With Josh Van and Jaheim Bell, they both were third-team All-SEC selections. With Josh Van finishing behind Cedric Tillman of Tennessee, I don't know how he ended up second-team, and Jonathan Mingo of Ole Miss. And then tight end Jaheim Bell finished behind Cameron Latu of Alabama, who was second-team, and the first-team All-SEC selection at tight end, no surprise there, Brock Bowers of Georgia. So overall, did the media get these selections correct? Well, I'm going to give you all my full analysis on a couple of these selections that I have some disagreements with and then add a couple of players at the end that I think maybe got snubbed from the All-SEC third team. Before I get into all of that, I do need to talk to y'all about LinkedIn and what all is going on over there. Because as the sun comes out, and as you can tell by my face, the sun is definitely coming out through the window over here next to me. And small businesses are back in business. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Myself being a recent college graduate, I've been able to stay in touch and create a network with many people who are alumni of the University of South Carolina. When you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create job posts in minutes to reach both your own personal network and a worldwide professional network consisting of 810 million people. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps find the right people that fit the job description to a 
using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate viable choices. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions still apply. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Okay, now with these all SEC teams that the SEC media put together at the end of SEC media days, I do want to preface my discussion of what they got right and wrong by saying this. There was only around 180 people out of over 1,000 media members that were there at SEC media days who actually participated in the poll. So a very small sample size compared to the amount of people that was actually there. And apparently... Just about anybody could have participated. Heath Klein, I saw on Twitter the other day, mentioned the fact that he apparently had discussions with a marketing person at SEC Media Days, and he actually put in a ballot for these SEC preseason polls. Not to say that the marketing guy does not know anything about college football, but it does really go to show that they pretty much let just about anybody put in a ballot and if there's one thing that I could assume, it's probably the fact that this marketing guy probably does not keep up with all the teams in the SEC conference very well. And granted, a lot of these guys are responsible for covering mainly one SEC team. So it can be difficult for these guys to come to an overall consensus. So I do want to let all of that be known first and foremost. But with that being said, I'm okay with Zach Pickens and Josh Van and where they were slotted on these preseason all-SEC teams. But I do have an issue with where Jaheim Bell and Cam Smith are slotted. So I'll start off with Jaheim Bell. Again, Jaheim Bell was a third-team All-SEC selection behind Cameron Latu of Alabama, who was a second-team All-SEC selection. So to start off this conversation, let's compare the stats real quick. In 2021, Jaheim Bell, in 12 games, had 30 catches for 497 total receiving yards, five touchdowns, and averaged 16.6 yards per reception. This was considering the fact that there was four different starting quarterbacks this past season, him being one of only two guys that had more than 222 receiving yards, meaning that pretty much it was him and Josh Van, and not a whole lot of other guys stepped up as legitimate receiving threats. And he was the second most targeted receiver on the team to go along with the amount of receiving yards compared to the rest of the guys in the receiving room. Now, Cameron Latu of Alabama had some similar stats to Jaheim Bell, but had a couple more games than Jaheim to reach his stats. Latu in 14 games had 26 catches, 410 receiving yards, 87 less than Jaheim Bell, eight receiving touchdowns, three more than Bell, and averaged 15.8 yards per catch. Now, 
Compare Cameron Latu's situation with Jaheim Bell's situation in both respective offenses. Cameron Latu had a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback who was throwing the football. And Latu had the fifth most targets out of all the receiving threats on Alabama's roster. There was plenty of guys in front of him who really and truthfully made it a lot easier for him to be able to get open. Guys like, of course, Jamison Williams, John Mechie the second. And a couple of others as well. Ajay Hall, JoJo Earl, you name it. So when you look at both Cameron Latu and Jaheim Bell, while the stats can't be listed as being pretty similar to one another, Jaheim Bell did everything he did last year despite the adverse circumstances that the offense dealt with. So imagine him having Spencer Rattler now throwing the ball to him. The offensive line blocks better, meaning that the quarterback has more time to be able to get the ball out. And Jaheim Bell will have the advantage of having more guys on the outside who are going to make defenses have to respect them. Guys like Antoine Wells, Corey Rucker, Dakaron Joyner has another year of experience at receiver. Landon Sampson's brought in out of high school. Marion Brown has another year in the system. You name it. Jaheim Bell is going to have a lot more one-on-one opportunities. And when you add in, in my opinion, the overall athletic advantage and route running advantage that Jaheim Bell holds over Cameron Latu, who is a little bit stockier at tight end, I think that overall Jaheim Bell's going to finish with much better stats than Cameron Latu this next season. And I think that at least he'll finish second team all SEC. And of course, it could be an interesting battle between him and Brock Bowers to see who could be first team all SEC at tight end. Now, let's move on to Cam Smith. Cam Smith, again, was a second team all SEC selection behind guys like Kelly Ringo of Georgia and Eli Ricks of LSU. Now, I'm going to compare him to both of these guys specifically, as I do believe Jordan Battle and Jalen Catalan are both pretty reasonable picks for first-team All-SEC. So in 2021, Cam Smith played 11 games. He had 41 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, three interceptions, and 11 passes defended. Pretty solid stat line overall. Now you compare this to Kelly Ringo, who played in three more games than Cam Smith. Ringo had 34 tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, two INTs, one touchdown, which obviously was in the national championship game, and eight passes defended. So not too far off from Cam Smith, but again, he had three more games than Cam Smith in order to be able to reach his stat line. So honestly, from a statistical standpoint alone, I think that Cam Smith matches up pretty well from a resume standpoint versus Kelly Ringo. And then you look at Eli Ricks. Now, Eli Ricks, to be fair to him, played in only six games last year, and this was because he dealt with a variety of injuries from what I can recall from the 2021 season. Ricks had 11 tackles, a half tackle for loss, one interception, and one pass defended. But my argument for Ricks not being first team would be he was hurt last year. I understand he plays now for Alabama, and it's very clear, like Cameron Latu, he's probably getting a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt because of the logo on his jersey, and he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. But Ricks was battered and bruised this past season and wasn't able to play anywhere near as many games as Cam Smith. And even the games he did play, whether he was playing hurt or not, and I cannot admittedly say whether or not he was playing hurt, his stat line still isn't very good for the six games that he did play. So I definitely think that Cam Smith could have been put on the first team All-SEC team above Eli Ricks and potentially maybe even above Kelly Ringo. So two different spots where I feel like Cam Smith could have definitely slid in as a first team all SEC defensive back. 
Now, was there anyone that wasn't on the preseason All-SEC teams that should have been on for the South Carolina Gamecocks? Now, I will say this does not include the transfers, and I do understand why guys maybe like Antoine Wells, Corey Rucker, and Spencer Rattler were included on these All-SEC teams because, uh, admittedly, they haven't played a game yet in the SEC, so it is fair for the media to be sort of in wait-and-see mode with the guys that we have on the roster like that. Other guys that maybe haven't had a chance to start yet, like Jordan Birch and Jordan Strun, guys that maybe have been battling injuries, like Marshawn Lloyd, which is why you maybe don't see some of these guys on this list. But the Gamecocks do have plenty of guys that could make the postseason All-SEC teams. But again, this is all considering the here and now. So I have two Gamecocks that I think could have made third-team All-SEC on this list. I'll start off with Darius Rush. Darius Rush is an unheralded defender on this South Carolina football team. He does not get anywhere near enough credit for the amount of development that he had this past season. you got to remember, Darius Rush was recruited as a quarterback coming out of high school. He was moved to wide receiver when he got to college. And then either this past year or two years ago, he was moved to cornerback and last year was thrusted into the starting lineup, quite frankly, out of necessity. And Torian Gray combined with his coaching and the leadership of Jalen Foster and how well Cam Smith played as the season went on last year, Darius Rush was able to really come into his own at cornerback. And by the time we played the North Carolina game at the Dukes Mayo Bowl, he did a phenomenal job with his one-on-one matchups. He did have his moments like Georgia and Tennessee where he did immediately get burned on certain routes and certain concepts and it did not end well for him. But Darius Rush has a lot of potential to really help out the secondary this next season. Now, who could he replace? I think he could replace Malachi Moore of Alabama on third team all SEC. And yes, I know this is another Alabama player I'm picking on. I promise I am not anti-Alabama. Bama's got a very talented team, but I think you'll see why I'm saying this in just one moment. Comparing their 2021 stats, In 13 games, Darius Rush had 26 tackles, three tackles for loss, one sack, one interception, and eight passes defended. Very solid for his first year ever starting at cornerback in the SEC, mind you. Malachi Moore played nine games last year, so four less games than Darius, had 16 tackles, two tackles for loss, one interception, but only one pass defended. So again, with a couple of these stats, if sure, if they both play 13 games, we might be nitpicking a little bit with say maybe tackles and tackles for loss and even interceptions. But comparing the A passes defended from Darius Rush to the one pass defended by Malachi Moore, I think that Darius Rush proved and especially showed how much better he could be at cornerback this next season. And I think he deserved to be an all-SEC selection. And I think he could very much work his way onto that list at the end of the 2022 football season. And then the last Gamecock I think that could make third-team all-SEC, or should have been at least, is Eugene McDowell at return specialist over Alabama's JoJo Earl. Again, I promise I don't hate Alabama, but look at the stat line. Juju McDowell had 15 kickoff returns last year for 394 yards, along with 63 yards, and a return average to 26.3 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, but he was very solid for his first year as a kick returner. JoJo Earl, for comparison, had one kickoff return for 24 yards, 13 punt returns for 88 yards, no touchdowns. You compare both these stat lines, I don't know how on earth JoJo Earl gets put on third team, besides the fact he plays for Bama over Juju McDowell. That is just the plain facts right there. So 
Juju McDowell and Darius Rush, in my opinion, both have arguments for potentially being snubs on third-team All-SEC, especially Juju McDowell. And I think, again, both of these guys could very well work their way onto the list at the end of the 2022 football season. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right. And then for the last little bit of today's show, I want to discuss a couple of upcoming announcements that are taking place with two different four-star targets for the 2023 recruiting cycle on South Carolina's recruiting board. And I'll start off with four-star wide receiver Carmelo Taylor out of Roanoke, Virginia. Now, Carmelo Taylor is a guy that South Carolina's been going after since about late May, early June. And Carmelo Taylor, I've already mentioned this before, but he is a track star. I believe he's a 100 or 200 meter state champion in Virginia for his high school's classification. So, and he even goes by the nickname Hellcat Mellow on Twitter, which again, I think just speaks to apparently how good of an athlete Carmelo Taylor is. But he tweeted out back on July the 21st that he wanted to let everyone know who has been following him that his commitment date had been pushed back. He said, this is the most important decision of my life. So I want to make sure I'm making the right choice. Thank you all for your patience and understanding. Hashtag Hellcat Mellow. And then two days ago on Saturday, Carmelo Taylor would then put out another tweet saying, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the best fit of them all? If you're listening to this on audio podcast, he put it in a photo with that tweet, basically listing off a bunch of different teams saying the decision and the date July 31st. So pretty much meaning that Carmelo Taylor has pushed his commitment back six days to July 31st. Now, Regarding where things stand with Carmelo Taylor at this time, I think that as of this moment, this is looking like a Virginia Tech-South Carolina battle, at least from what I have seen on social media and also from what I have read online. This very much seems like it's going to be either going to the SEC, making a name for yourself as a wide receiver, or playing for the home state team of Virginia Tech who's trying to rebuild what they once had, ironically enough, under Shane Beamer's father, Coach Frank Beamer. So I think that this is going to come down to the wire. I definitely don't think it's necessarily a lock for South Carolina, although South Carolina with Justin Stepp definitely has a lot to point to from a development standpoint. And again, being able to play in the SEC and it's not going to be too terribly far away from home if his family would just want to come see him play. But again, you can never count out the home state team. So Virginia Tech, it definitely seems like will be pushing all the way to the end here. And then the last target that I'm going to talk about real quick is four-star edge defender Monty Graham, who I've, of course, talked about on multiple shows now in the last couple of weeks and has been a longtime priority target for the Gamecocks at the edge defender position. But it does seem like now Monty Graham is nearing his final decision. As he put out a tweet two days ago, back on Saturday, July 23rd, that he will be committing on the 30th this next week. And as I have said all the other times I've talked about Monty Grams on this show, I still feel very confident with us getting Monty Grams. Monty Grams has visited South Carolina countless times. 
He is from Sumter, South Carolina, which is definitely not too terribly far away from Columbia. I think that there is definitely part of Montique who would love to play for the home state team and really put on for his home state and have a chance to really turn the tide or help the Gamecocks turn the tide in the SEC East and maybe even the SEC Conference as a whole. So NC State has been a team that has really tried to make a hard push here for the last couple of weeks or so, and I definitely don't think they're going to let up all the way till the end. But again, as of this moment, I feel pretty confident that at the end of the day, Montique Brams is going to be a South Carolina Gamecock. So with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed it. As always, what were your thoughts on the all-SEC teams that were announced by the SEC media from SEC Media Days? Do you think that any of the guys that were selected got snubbed? Maybe Jaheim Bell and Cam Smith like I did. Do you think maybe there's some guys that should have been on these preseason all-SEC team lists that I didn't mention? Maybe someone besides Darius Rush. And lastly, how do y'all feel about the recruitments of four-star wide receiver Carmilla Taylor and four-star edge defender Monty Rams? How confident are you that we could get either of these prospects? I do want to hear your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're listening to this and watching this on YouTube. But if you are listening to this just on audio podcast apps, wherever you get your podcasts daily, then feel free to shoot me a message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter, and I will be sure to reply to any replies or comments that you have as quickly as I see him. But once again, y'all, that's going to do it for me on today's show. I hope that you all have a great rest of your Monday and a great start to the week. I'll catch you on the next show, Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.